Welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Pastured Pig Podcast. It's good to be back on the podcast. We took a uh, took last week off. You all may have noticed we did not have a podcast over the Thanksgiving week. Uh, took a little break there to enjoy time with uh, family and friends, uh, but we're back at it. Uh, while we're talking about breaks, we will be taking a break. I think we'll have today's podcast and two more. So uh, since we release these on Wednesdays, the 24th, and the 31st, of course, um, being right in the middle of holidays, we're not going to have podcasts then. But we'll be firing back up again in January. Um, we'll, we'll kick off um, that following Wednesday and be ready to go with some more great topics, hopefully. Uh, just some updates here on the farm. Uh, those of you that follow our channel probably already know we had a uh, bad farrowing experience, and it's been very discouraging. Uh, we lost uh, a total litter of eight in um, uh, Merida Farrowed, and it's it's a combination of small things. And again, I, I, there's no blame but mine to to you know to be placed. The, the blame should be placed completely on me. Um, so we're we're going to redo some things. We're rethinking. In fact, um, I think it's kind of a square peg in a round hole type concept. With uh, my older sows, they're heavier. They're you know, more of a commercial breed with the um, with the Hampshire Duroc mix. Uh, so we're going to get away from that. In fact, I've got uh, got plans to uh, retire all my breeders, and my all four sows. We're going to uh, going to send them off to freezer camp, and then we're going to be getting some new stock in, uh, working out some arrangements, and and I'll detail that more uh, once we get all the details down. But be bringing in uh, more of a heritage line. Uh, into the uh, into the farm and try something new there. Try a whole new line. Um, so you know, uh, bittersweet. Obviously, hate the hate the fact that we had that loss, but um, it's it kind of underscored something I've been thinking I'm going to need to be doing in the past couple of years now. So uh, so that's what's going on. We've uh, we've uh, gotten past that. Again, it's sad. I just I feel bad. Obviously, I hate to lose any animal uh, like that. Needlessly, the um, uh, Merida crushed all eight of them, and uh, she's just so big she just couldn't get up. And and again, there were some other issues there with with my setup. So hopefully we'll get those corrected before we fare again with this new group, and uh, hopefully we can have some success at some point. So with that being said, um, our our podcast guest today. Um, is uh, Jim Chelbowski, and uh, he has really got some neat things going on with uh, value-added finishing on the back end of of pastured pig raising. So his charcuterie, his butchering process, all that is just really neat to 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 listen to him talk about, and, and just some really neat stuff he's got going on. In fact, uh, hopefully one of these days. Um, I'd like to go see him. He's not too far away from us. He's uh, maybe three or four hours north in uh, Pennsylvania, and love to go join him next time he's doing a uh, a charcuterie class to check that out. But I won't uh, waste any more of uh, the time telling about Jim. We'll let Jim tell about himself. Uh, tonight I have Jim Chabowski. Did I get that right, Jim? 
<laughs> Jim Jabowski with uh, DR Smokehouse in New Berlin, PA. And Jim, uh, Jim's got some really neat stuff we're going to talk about tonight. A little bit different than what we normally talk about. So welcome, Jim. Hello, Troy. Just by the way, the, the DR, which people say it actually stands for doctor. Doctor. Okay. Yeah. Um, I should have asked Because you in my that. other life, I'm actually a family physician. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my bad. My bad. That's that's the problem with Instagram where everything runs together. Yeah, right? it's, a, okay. it's a common mistake, but it, it's kind of funny. But I uh, love it. that's okay. that's kind of what I do in my, my day job. Dr. Smokehouse. You know, it's funny. When I first saw that in my notes, I thought, no, okay, that's that could be doctor. That could be that could be an abbreviation. All right. So thanks for clearing that up. So Dr. Smokehouse, I love it. Okay, so um, so Jim, all right, let's, uh, let's. Uh, you have an interesting story as to how you got into pastured pigs. It's kind of like a reverse process here. So if you don't mind, give, uh, give our audience here a, a, a taste of how you got into raising pigs on pasture. Uh, well, about 2008, I started to get into um, making different cured meats. Uh, first, it was mostly sausage and, and other things. And then I, in 2010, I went to a workshop at uh, Most Fun Mangalitsa in New Jersey um, and was worked. There was a, a four, or four or five day workshop with a, a, a butcher from um, Austria who had come over and uh, was demoing stuff. And so when I returned, I decided I'm going to buy a I'm going to buy a pig, and so I asked around to buy a pig, and I, I had all these great intentions to make uh, prosciutto and all of this this type of thing. Well, when I got my pig, it was um, actually two things. It was skinned. I didn't. I, when we were, did it at the workshop, we we scalded and scraped. Right. Yeah. And then it was extremely lean. Hmm. And I was I was a little awestruck. I was awestruck and didn't know what to do. So I decided the next year to that I would I would start to raise some pigs. <laughs> so that started me on my journey. Okay, so in that situation, is this uh, Jim? Are at that time? Are you living in a in a, a suburban housing development? Did you have a pig in the backyard, or were you already set up to accommodate that? So we live um, we live in what was once a, a larger farm. We have a about a seven acre farmette um, with a there's a barn on the property that's a that's a very nice barn. Uh, a lot of the, the part of the property, a couple acres was pastured already. It was actually a, it was used for hay and for corn and different other things at one point. Um, so I had the space and but what I did at first, <clears throat> the first year we went to literally went to auction and this part of Pennsylvania, there are a lot of auctions. There's a weekly lock, livestock auction. So uh, we went and we bought two two uh, whatever pigs. They were a mixed breed of whatever, um, and and actually had a friend who had had uh, what, what he called a pig tractor. So people are probably familiar with chicken tractors. Mm -hmm. uh, we built this pig tractor, which was about, um, it was eight feet wide by 12 feet long and had a little, uh, its own little house in it. When we raised two pigs, but we had to pull them around. Yeah. And yeah. so literally we'd move them every couple of days. And uh, that's how I, I started. Hmm. Um, uh, after that, I found somebody locally that had, um, the next year had Tamworths 
And so I bought some, they were purebred Tamworth Heritage pigs. And then since then, I've never looked back on other, if you will, commodity pigs. I've always, I've explored um, raising different pigs and I've raised a variety. I try to actually, every year I try to find something new if I can. Uh, and then I eventually moved out of the pig tractors, although we still use them actually. They're, they're the, they've become the, 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 the hutches for the pigs and actually it works as a nice service we keep we have a um, when we go to slaughter which i do here we lure the pigs in there and i can bring them into the slaughter area and out of the pasture which is really quite nice oh yeah so use it for um, regular housing but then also containment for yes. processing very good yeah, it's interesting. I was looking at your Instagram page, and, and you have a video there of your pigs on pasture, and it looks like the United Nations of pig species. <laughs> <laughs> it is. This year I have, I have quite the collection of pigs. Yeah, yeah. I saw a manga in there. I saw it uh, looks like a Michon in there somewhere. And... Yep. yep, I have a Michon. I have uh, a, a large Tamworth. I've got a couple of Herefords um, and a couple of uh, Hampshire-Yorkshire crosses this year. So I probably know the answer to this, but why did you steer away from production breed and, and kind of fall into the heritage line? Well, it, you know, it's interesting. So I, I, I'm really into all of the charcuterie. So you really want the fat levels. You want the inner, the intermuscular mar marbling that, that, that those pigs provide. Mm -hmm. And as I've, I've, as I've kind of, I've actually done some traveling and, and done workshops in, um, I've been to Italy, I've been to Spain and, and kind of experienced those kind of pigs, which are these not always lard breed pigs, but they're, they're, you know, the heritage ones, which tend to be fattier. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of where my wheelhouse is because we're making all these products. You know, if you walked into the, in the bottom of my barn now, there's, there's actually, I think 13 hams, that are hanging as we speak. Wow. So, you know, to, to age a ham for five years, you, you, it's nice to have that kind of pig with that kind of fat level. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's interesting. So uh, when, since you're finishing your own hogs and you're processing them yourselves and being heritage, are, are you taking them to a specific weight? Are, are there certain characteristics you're waiting to see before you process or is it simply a cal um, calendar situation? Well, when we first started, when we first started, um, um, we were basically, I would get pigs in the spring and I would take them to November, December, uh, maybe into January, depending on our schedule. And then we, we would be done until the next year. And then um, several years ago, uh, a, a friend of mine, um, uh, Barry Stolman, convinced me to let's it would be kind of cool to raise a pig that's beyond a year. And he was telling me that he did this in, in, in Italy when he lived there. And so he said, you know, we could, we could do that. They do it all the time. I was worried about my equipment. I have a small tractor and I was worried about, you know, hauling it and doing all of this. But anyway, he convinced me and actually shortly thereafter, I actually ended up going to Italy with him. So we did our first uh, pig now, I guess it would be about three, no, almost four years ago, where we did a pig that was beyond a year. And that, that pig happened, we actually called, I don't name most of my pigs, but I happened to call that guy big. <laughs> and he was big at 550 pounds, which yeah. was for a home processor, 
that's even for a well a commercial processor that's a big pig to deal with oh yeah but yeah. we were able to we 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 scalded and scraped it and uh it was it worked out really well so since that time i've actually pushed that limit where i'm, I'm taking pigs beyond a year excellent all right yeah i mean obviously uh i assume the benefit of that of course is you know flavor and just just texture and all, all kinds of different you kind of get in a whole different exactly. area there yeah exactly well, that's exciting well so uh you know obviously tons of questions that are popping in my mind here but let's try to put this in some sort of train of thought so what type of equipment um do you need for on-farm processing to do uh the charcuterie that you like and, and everything from the process all the way to storage and hanging and all those type of things well you know i do mine old school and in in some ways you need it very little although we've added some things along the way that make our lives easier um uh, so, you know, I have, I have a, a small tractor, uh, with a bucket that that's really, really nice to, to move the pig and to do things. Um, when we scald and scrape, um, we, um, have an old salvaged bathtub and literally put that over a fire pit to heat the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, I, um, I actually bought a, uh, a scalding trough for $25 hmm. Um, and although that one hit, we've retired it since cause it, it, it's, it's been seen better days. It, it was work. And then a friend of mine built me one, a new scalding trough, which I'm going to introduce this season. That's really, really nice. So I've got a, I got a custom scalding trough, but, um, and then we have a, we made a tripod out of, uh, four by fours and we use, uh, basically like an engine hoist, a chain, a chain hoist to raise the pigs up. Um, you know, to, to, to further the processing. So you actually need very little equipment. We don't, I don't have any, all of the cutting is done with um, hand saws and knives. Okay. I was going to ask. I don't, I don't, I don't use even a sawzaw. Um, So all of that, the breakdown, even the very large pigs, the breakdown is all by hand. Excellent. So you're even having by, by a hand saw then. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's it really once you get the hang of it, um, we'll have by hand, hand saw or I've I've recently gotten into um, old school hog splitters, which are giant cleavers. Hmm. And so we'll do that. But um, you have to know kind of what you're doing. And so some of my help uh, might get a little bit too um, too aggressive. And the next thing you know, some of your pork chops are split the wrong way. So right. you have to be a little careful. But uh but really very little equipment i think for the home person you can you can do it and process very simply um all of my curing is done in the basement of my barn so i have uh, an area that uh, i'm also a gardener and i originally built it as a root cellar to store potatoes and whatnot um and so it's pretty simple it's a walled off and my my barn that part is is you know, in the, is the, in the basement is essentially underground. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we walled that off and we put, uh, I put some airflow through that where there's an air intake and an air exit. So there's some good airflow through it, uh, in the most times of the year. Well, especially when I'm curing, it'll stay, it'll stay in that 50 to 55 degree range, which is the sweet spot for curing. Um, and so we, 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 that's, that's kind of how we do most of our stuff. Originally, 
we would do all of our processing really in, you know, in the much colder months, December, um, January. So I have, I also have a smokehouse that we built and that's an old school smokehouse that just, you know, wood fired. So we would hang the pigs in there when, you know, there was no smoke, but we would hang the pigs in there. Yeah. Along the way, we actually built a, a walk-in using a cool bot also in the bottom of the barn. So again, we've added things to make it, our life easier and nicer, but I think for a home processor, it's it's pretty easy to do. Um, you know, you do need some refrigeration, so you need at least a, some spare fridge space to store it if, if it, the weather takes a you know takes a warmer turn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's obviously benefit of seasonal, like our ancestors used to do. But you know, you can yep. you can get sideways pretty quickly if you have having a sixty degree day or something. Yes, indeed. So um, interesting. So the. Um, when you're breaking the pig down, are are you are you finishing? You you mentioned your smokehouse. Is, uh, first of all, is that like a cold smoke process where you have the external fire, so you're actually just smoking? You're not actually uh, uh, heating the heating the meat up. Yeah. Yes. For the for for certain things. So I can I actually have the ability by just adjusting the fire in kind of an old school way. I can either I can completely cold smoke, or I can actually hot smoke. Um, so I actually can finish things like, and, and the hot smoking I would be, would be, uh, things like sausage that I want to cook. Um, there's a way that I can, I can do that by just adjusting the fire and literally cooking it. But most of my smoke is primarily in the cold slash warm. It depends on whose definition you use. Also depends on the weather, but most of mine is done in the winter time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all of our bacons and all of that is, is essentially cold smoked. The bacons and the hams are, are cold smoked. Um, and then, you know, for the hams that will be cooked, the bacon's fried. So, uh, but, but all of it's cured in, in an old, you know, more the old fashioned dry cured method is what we use. Yeah. So does, does any of the pig end up in the freezer or, or are you curing everything? Um, yeah. Yeah. So my, my thing, you know, I have, um, I have, uh, four sons, although the, some of them are out of the house now, but, uh, we, you know, I, I, um, my family eats, eats some charcuterie, but, but if I did the whole pig and charcuterie, we would have enough for forever. Right. Yeah. So what, what we do is some of it's broken down into pork chops. So I'll, you know, it, it depends. We, each pig we do a little bit differently. Um, we usually, I try to make a decision about what we're going to make. Um, so we make a combination of things. So, We'll definitely make pork chops. Um, I make the long cured dried hams, but I also make, you know, the smoked hams that are then baked. Um, we make, you know, uh, salami, but we also make the varying fresh, various fresh sausages from a simple breakfast sausage to Italian to you name it. We probably have made it or tried it, including uh, we always tend to make we make a blood sausage. Hmm. Uh, every year to celebrate the pig uh, at our harvest. Yeah, explain blood sausage because I think there's I think there's a good chunk of our listeners that don't fully understand because I don't fully understand what blood sausage is. Yeah, well, so it's it's interesting and one of the other things that I've 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 explored through the years and I try to do this at least once a season. I try to make a new blood sausage, and so in different cultures, um, you know, the blood the blood is used in, in, in most of the cultures that had, had something around the pig, 
the blood and the different other awful, all the, 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 the liver and the heart was used. And that was generally used first because it would spoil and didn't keep that much. So most blood sausage is you would take some of the blood and then you would combine it with some type of, I'll, I'll just say filler. Mm-hmm. So that filler could be rice. That could be um, rice, could be barley, could be apples. And so you would mix that with the blood onions are used a lot and so that you tend to blend all that add some spices and then that would be then poached and it turns black so when blood is cooked it turns black so mm-hmm. people might might have heard the term black pudding right well black pudding is a type of blood sausage yeah yeah um and so there, there are different ones all across you know uh, it's interesting every, every culture has its own version which has been fun for us to kind of explore. Not not everybody's favorite, but um, I, I actually, I abs- absolutely love blood sausage. I like exploring different types of blood sausage. And to me, that's the ultimate celebration here of the pig is to literally do what the ancestors, our ancestors do. And we're, we're, we're I, I won't say I'm zero waste, but, but, um, but we try to get close to that. Um, we've even, we even have harvested, um, other things. We, we've harvested the intestines at times. Uh, once you've done it a couple of times and I do it for workshops, you realize it's, it's one of those things that it's a lot of work and it's easier to buy unless, unless you have, uh, a Spanish grandmother to help you. I, I, I was in Spain last year for yeah. what is called a La Montanza, which is their slaughter. And we, I had the wonderful pleasure of doing a traditional one and they don't buy their casings. They actually harvest the intestines. And I found some great ways, very great, simple ways to, to use the intestines, which, which I have done since. Wow. Um, I still buy a lot of my casings just cause they're nicer. And I, and, and, you know, time, the, my most precious commodity is time. And if I had enough time, I'd probably do it. Um, but, um, you know, that, that's probably why we end up buying casings because it's just, it's a lot of work to clean them. Yeah. Now, I, I assume you're still practicing medicine right now? I, I am. Yeah. Okay. So obviously that's that's a full-time gig. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I want to go back real quick to your breakdown process. So um, for those that are thinking about um, you know, doing their own, you know, we have a lot of homesteaders that are just raising uh, one or two hogs for themselves. So we've talked about some of the equipment. We talked about uh, your hanging and storage. What about the actual breakdown? Are, are you are you are you going in and doing this on the kitchen countertop? Do you have a breakdown room? Are there some specifics there that you think uh, people would need for that? Yeah. So we're 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 very. I'm very fortunate. Um, I have the barn I have on my property. Um, actually, used to be the gentleman that that built the 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 barn and the the house that I live in was a woodworker. So he it was his wood shop and so it's it's very spacious um and it's heated so it's it's very nice place to break down we have a a large table there that we do it in in there um and so you know we'll hang the pigs generally it depends i've i've done what's called hot butchering before where you literally kill the pig and you're butchering when it's still warm which is a challenge it's it's that's a lot more work um, just because the, the, the pigs are, I'll, I'll, I'll use the term jiggly. Right. And yeah. so that's, that's, that's a challenge, but normally we'll hang them for a day or two up to a week. 
And then when, when we get back to it, you know, after work or whatever, because we normally will do this in the winter when we harvest, we'll do it on a Saturday. And then, you know, sometime that next week in the evening, we'll start, to, my buddy and I usually will, we'll get together and we'll start to break the pigs down. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so with two of us working, usually it's two of us. Sometimes there's more. It depends on if, if friends are joining or whatnot, we'll start to break down and, and into the different cuts. And, and, you know, we all, we always have a plan. That's probably the biggest thing I would tell anybody new that wants to break down a pig. Think ahead, think about what you want. Um, do a lot of reading, a lot of YouTubing or whatever, and, and really try to, to come up with a plan so that you know where you're going with it. Um, uh, that makes a big difference. And I try to either mentally or, or sometimes I'll write it down what, what I would like to get out of a certain pig. Yeah. Okay. Well, excellent. That's great. So, wow, a lot of, a lot of different directions to take that. I do want to come back real quick and, and uh, talk about the, the breeds. Have, have, through everything you've done, have you settled on a specific breed that you say, okay, this produces the best X? So my favorite is probably um, uh, Tamworth and and or cross with large black. Hmm. And in fact, I have I have a guilt uh, now that I've unfortunately been unsuccessful at doing um, AI on. Okay, I'm hoping to try again here. In fact, I was just out feeding the pigs this evening and she's in standing heat. So I'm going to mark my calendar and I got to. I got to fit. I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want, I didn't want to do it anywhere where it's close to the dead of winter. Um, I have farrowed here one time and that was, um, uh, again, it was more accidental. Mm, okay. Um, and I'll give you one really interesting story because it, it's something else that I've done once and will never do again. So <laughs> a number, a number of years ago I had, um, I had I had um, a Cooney Cooney gilt, and I had um, I had bought a couple of uh, American guinea hogs. Well, when they came to me, they weren't castrated, um, and or the one wasn't the one of the the, the 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 males wasn't castrated. And I thought, well, we'll just, we're going to slaughter him before he gets mature. And this was before I knew about boar taint and all of this other. Uh, you know, when, this was early on, so I, 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 my knowledge base wasn't the greatest. And the next thing you know, um, that Cooney Cooney gave birth. Um, and I did actually raise those piglets. Um, in fact, in fact, at one point I had the ham of the mother, the baby and the, and the father to be maybe macabre hanging in the basement, which is nice. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know where my pigs come from and yeah. I, you know, I, I can go down there now and I'm like, I remember that pig. Oh, you're just keeping the um, family together. It, it was, but, but actually after that, then I learned about boar taint and, um, we decided, or I decided, and I had some, I had some uh, accomplices to help me that I would castrate, um, this mature, uh, boar. Hmm. And uh, as as one of my friends asked a, f a fellow farmer, asked him, "Have you ever castrated a, 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 a mature boar?" And the guy just looked at him and said, "Once." And that's all I'll say. <laughs> that's that's right. it was it, it was a challenge. Uh, we got through it, um, but 
would I ever want to do it again? Um, no. Yeah, that's 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 a little bit more of a challenge you want to take on. Did, did you snare him or just corner him, or what would you end up uh, doing there? We got him drunk. There you go, yep. And then we we got him drunk, and then we did we did have a, a you know ties on his mouth and on legs, and I was on the business end working uh, since I have a few skills in that department. That's right. Yep. But my buddies were doing the the hard work, and uh, it it in fact I wasn't sure who I was worried at one point if whether my buddy was going to die or the pig was going to die, but but actually both came through. Right. Uh, he he did fine, and he 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 did fine, and we eventually harvested him later. Not my buddy, the the pig. But he, uh, <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> we we harvested that that pig, and um, um, actually, you know, um, and, and all all worked out. But I decided, yep, I'm, I don't want to do that ever again. And so I I hadn't raised any other pigs, and I I didn't really want to have another boar here. So I this is the first time I've really um, dove in, you know, dived into the AI thing. So I'm actually learning that process yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, AI is where I focus specifically, and and it's it has its pros and its cons, but it definitely allows you to control when and where and, and how, so that uh, yep. that is a control you like. Yeah, but so getting back to the breed, so I I like I like the cross of um, uh, I've I've had some Tamworth large black crosses before. They grow well. I like the demeanor. Uh, the the Tamworth is called the bacon pig. Mm. Uh, and that it's called that because its belly tends to be longer. So I like that breed. I also like, I've had pure large blacks. Um, I've had a few other ones. I mean, I've had, um, um, uh, the Mangalitsas. Um, in fact, we, I have a couple of hams hanging now of, of those. I, I actually have one, uh, smaller Mangalitsa that I, somebody ended up having one. And I'm like, you know, and I'm a sucker for a, you know, a pig that's, around so i was like oh, i didn't think i would jump back into that that market but it was interesting those pigs were very expensive as even feeders for a long time and then the the, the prices kind of became more reasonable and that's when i jumped back into doing those yeah so um i i kind of look around and i look at i like trying the different pigs i like the personalities uh it's fun to raise them and I'm, I'm also finding, you know, certain ones, I don't know, maybe do a little bit better, although all of them seem to do about equally well on pasture. Um, I don't mind if they rip the pasture up. I mean, that's their pigs being pigs. Um, I've really tried to also perfect what they what they eat. Yeah. Uh, since I'm the ultimate end user, I've kind of learned a lot about um, feed and, and, and what I call fat texture uh, it, it makes a big difference. Yeah. So that was going to be my next question. Have you, have you come up with your own personal regimen and, and, and ingredients or are you, you just still testing a lot of things? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on the pasture side. I am, um, I, you know, I'm starting to find what they, what they like, you know, more than others. Um, you know, some of it's economical too. I, I, I find that you can get the deer pasture mixes, which have a lot of what, what, what some of my pasture mixes have. Um, you know, for cheap in the fall when all the deer hunters are done with it. Right. Um, but but I you know I'll I'll, I'll um, I've really tried to groom the pastures in, in in terms of what they eat and what they like, uh, doing some research that way. Our feed mix. Um, um, uh, we were in Italy a few years ago and uh, at a, at um, a gentleman by the name of Massimo Spigaroli. Massimo is the what's called the king of Culatello. So Culatello, for your listeners that might not have heard of it, 
it's basically boneless prosciutto. Okay. So it's it's basically one of the muscles that's boned out, and traditionally it's stuffed in a in a sow's bladder or the own or the own pig's bladder. Mm. So you know the pig is killed that that's boned out and it's actually cased in that bladder, and the beauty of it is you can slice it. But anyway, Massimo had a mix in Italy that is fifty percent barley, twenty five percent corn, fifteen um, percent. Uh, fava beans and 10% wheat germ. Hmm. And so um, I have a buddy that was able to get similar in a meal, uh, get that milled. The only difference is you can't, we, he couldn't get fava beans, so they actually use field peas. Okay, yeah, I thought that would be that's a That's a ground mix. And then um, as well in, in Italy at this, at this uh, place, they actually um, they actually um, mix it with water and it goes into their feed system. And they they said the, pig, the for the, the pigs eat it well and there's less waste. And that's what I've kind of found. So I, I hand feed all my pigs. I don't give them free choice. I feed them. I feed them twice a day. So I'll go out and, you know, every morning and every evening, um, you know, and and basically mix buckets by hand. Yeah. OK. Uh, are you, so, are you I, soaking at that time? I, I am. I'm yeah. soaking it at that time. It comes as a, you know, a ground feed and I soak it and then I supplement. So, you know, I get um, um, on a good year like this year, it's, it's a really great acorn year. So I have some friends and family that that know I do this and they save acorns for me. Oh, yeah. Which the pigs absolutely love. I have I have some woodlot here um, and I don't have the pigs on um where they are, there's, there's, well, there's only a couple of trees that I've planted, but they're not really producing yet. But I, I, I'll gather acorns here, rake them up. Um, I have some friends and family that they'll rake them up, and then I, I'll, I'll supplement it with that. Um, we have, um, um, we, uh, there's a local uh, produce place, so any, any apples or any, you know, discarded fruit and veg we get. So I don't, I don't, I don't dive into other like food waste products, but just the fruit, the, you know, fruits and vegetables, pumpkins this time of year, like the rot, you know, pumpkins that are going bad, they can't sell. So that's, and then I, we have a large garden. So anything that comes out of the garden that, that, you know, either, either we don't want or is rotten or whatever goes to the pigs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of variety there is, is, is great for them. Absolutely. And that's what I've found. And, and what I've found is because I also I will butcher for other folks. And so I will butcher and process, you know, a friend will bring a pig and, or I'll help them go. I'll go to their place and we'll break down. And so what what I've found is that sometimes that will change the, the texture and the character of the fat. Um, I had a friend. Um, he's a great guy. And he, he's a cheesemaker. And so he was feeding these pigs basically pure whey and field corn and while the pigs were gigantic and they were fat, I just I didn't like the texture of the fat. Yeah. You know, it got almost too uh, oily, greasy and too soft for me. Hmm. So there are like little variations depending on what they eat. So I think it is. I mean, the breeds themselves have some changes. You know, the AGHs and the, the Coonies are really, really fatty pigs um, and you get a lots of lard. But, you know, they're probably a little too fatty for me. I, I like the bigger pigs that not, I don't want to say that are that are lean, but they're leaner than those pigs. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, the old spots are the same way. They're a little bit fattier for me, 
you know, I mean, I, I like, like I said, I don't, I don't think I found a pig that I dislike. It's just some I like more. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, as far as all the year charcuterie goes, I know we've talked about multiple pigs a year and uh, your, your family can only eat so much. And I know there's obviously restrictions on you retailing this uh, in, in Pennsylvania and obviously in, in every state has similar restrictions. So what happens to all of this pork? Where does it go? So most of it, we, you know, it's, it's really friends will do this with me. So we have kind of a wide circle of folks that we, that, that, that will do that. And so we kind of, you know, we work in, we almost like old school here. So in Pennsylvania, it's really interesting. I don't know if this is a tradition. It, you know, I grew up in Western PA. It wasn't really a tradition there. And I'm not sure if it is down in West Virginia, but actually the day after Thanksgiving here in central Pennsylvania was butcher day. Exactly. Yep. So people would get together, families would get together, everybody would go and they would, they, and they still do this. Some, there are still, it's kind of a, it's, it's dying out. Everybody would get together, you know, you've all chipped in and you all, um, you know, basically you hit, you process whatever, a dozen hogs and everybody, you know, everybody chips in and does that. So we kind of do that to a degree. Um, that's kind of, we don't really, I don't, I'm not really selling it per se. We're, we're basically sharing expenses and, and working it. And so that's kind of what, what we've done. I I've looked at getting into the business. People have asked me and it's just, you know, the, the restrictions I I'm, 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 I'm too busy right now. I thought maybe someday I'll do that. Um, you know, um, that I would make it a business, but for right now, I just enjoy doing what I do and I enjoy sharing it, um, and working together. And as long as I'm, you know, we're, we're, you know, covering the expenses of that. I don't, I don't really care beyond that. And that's kind of how it's worked. And people come and, you know, they'll come and help me butcher and they go home with some meat and they're happy and I'm happy. Yeah. Do you have uh, random strangers show up at various times a year? <laughs> we do, we do. You know, with the with the with the interesting online community of of both whether it's pastured pig people or whether it's um, charcuterie people, I've invited people here. In fact, um, I'm conducting a workshop um, with a gentleman by the name of Francois Vecchio. So Francois is uh, Francois is eighty two or 83 i have to i have to think but anyway he uh, i i befriended him a number of years ago as he was traveling through invited him here and um uh, last year i was able to um um have him come out here to conduct a four-day workshop where we um slaughtered pigs and then we did the classic uh, European breakdown. We moved into salami and prosciutto and speck and all of the wonderful preparations. So he, we actually had a grand time and everybody really learned a lot and we were able to con- convince him to come back again this year. So we're actually doing that in November. Oh, wow. And so that, that is one of my passions is, you know, we're getting together with that community that that you're raising the pigs and you're doing all this stuff and you're making all these wonderful products and learning along the way. So I assume uh, for our listeners, I assume your workshop is probably booked up already. It, it is. It is. In fact, I had to turn some, you know, I, I, I ended up having more, <laughs> more, more help than I needed. And then the student, the, the, we, we actually have some paid students for that class, but it, it, it actually filled up relatively quickly 
but we're talking already about doing some other ones or even doing maybe a less intensive or a beginner's workshop. I have some friends that do that now. There's a couple of guys the, the there's some guys from uh, Han Yoon Farm in Ohio. They have some great classes and they're they're actually coming to help me. We've become good friends. And I, there's a couple other folks that do them around the country. This one was really unique. This was more of a how should I say it? This is this was an, this isn't a beginner's class. This was more people that have been doing it and really want to take it to the next level. But I enjoy, I'll, I'll also, you know, when I slaughter during the other times in the winter, I, if people want to come, I'm, I'm always open for, you know, the, the, you know, someone to help scrape a pig. I never, I never mind a little excess help. Right. Uh, and people that come learn. Yeah. Sounds like red Toolhouse needs to make a road trip North. That sounds like uh, a you're, good time. You're, you're, you're welcome to, to come. And we, 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 I've thought about it in my retirement. There's uh, uh, in in Italy, there are these guys that uh, that that travel around to the farms and do harvest. It was really fascinating. When we were in Italy. The um, the place that we were learning, he wanted us to, to show the culture of, of what what traditionally happened. So it was interesting. This was at this farm. And so this is how the culture is so, so different. These three gentlemen, you know, pull up, they have a trailer, they have all their equipment. Um, and so they, they killed this, this pig. This pig was, uh, in the 500 pound range probably. Uh, and then there, they actually, we learned a technique where you just dump boiling water on the pig in, in, in isolated areas. So in other words, you, you, you take little tiny bits at a time and you scrape it with a knife right then and there. Hmm. So as opposed to where, most people here in the U.S. dunk them in, in, in one capacity or another, but you pour the boiling water and you just scrape, and eventually the hair comes off. But then they process the whole pig, and so it, traditionally what would happen is they would do that for a family, and they would even break it all the way down and make salami. Like, if you don't want to do your own, you raise the pig, they come and do that. And it's interesting, in, it, in Italy, in that part, the, the, the state actually sends out a veterinarian. And the veterinarian inspects the pig, takes a sample, basically not in any punitive way. It's just to make sure that that it's healthy. Mm-hmm. So really fascinating, you know, like a different cultural shift. Yeah. Because that was what was traditionally done. And so who knows? I, I, I thought about that. That would be I, I've not really done many. Well, I have done road trip slaughters uh, for for really close friends that we've gone. I've not done that as a, you know, a business or whatever, but maybe maybe someday in my retirement that's what i'll do is i'll travel around to small farms and process or something who knows yeah yeah that sounds like a good setup Get to yeah see. you're welcome you're welcome to come up if you ever want to make a road trip we're not we're not that terribly far from from you i like i said i grew up in southwestern pennsylvania outside of pittsburgh so Oh yeah, yeah. I can get. To, I think I can get to Central PA in um, yeah. three, four hours. I believe. So it's yeah, not, not it's, too bad. It's, yeah, it's it's a great. It's it's a great. It's a definitely a different side of of that. And like I said, I think we do, we do. We I, I try to stick to traditional old school methods in terms of how we process and how we do things. Yeah, excellent. I may take you up on that. Yeah, we've we've been known to just show up on people's doors. We were in uh, Vermont a couple months ago, just popped in on some people. So, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Well, like I said, we, we we are here, and we 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 do enjoy that side of it. I've I've the, the many people that I've met and become friends with. What's what we've talked about? The community is really just great people. My wife has always said that too. 
like just people are, are just super nice and you know just just a great group of people to 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 have and so we we also try to turn our slaughters into um a party if you will mm-hmm. um so a lot of times we'll we'll have a slaughter in the morning and then we'll have like um as i said this this barn is heated so we'll usually in the winter time a couple times a year we'll have a we'll have some music in the and have a good old uh fashion hoedown if you will in the barn and it just makes for a a wonderful day you know if you're if you're you kind of combine that you're working hard and then you're having a good time and and then that's where we pull out a lot of the uh, you know the processed charcuterie from you know probably the previous year we'll pull out the hams you know some of which are a couple years old to whatever and that's the beauty that's the beauty for with charcuterie it keeps for a long time Yeah, yeah exactly um, and so that's traditionally what was why it was done. I mean, it, you know, it's just it's a method of preservation that's that's wonderful. Very good, awesome. Well, Jim, uh, as as we wrap up, what what do you see in the future um, uh, at your place? Are there areas that you you want to expand specifically? Your five year plan, ten year plan, uh, hanging up the stethoscope and and picking up the the cleaver full time. Well, yeah, I, I, I would like to at some point I want to transition to probably working as a as a part time doctor, a part time uh, farmer slash butcher. Um, I, 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 I don't know that I want to turn it into a full blown business. Maybe then it would become too much like work. Mm. I do like the idea of doing a, like the, the workshops or or even working for somebody part-time and maybe coming up with a business plan with somebody where I would, I would do a lot of the, the processing or, or helping out, but I haven't quite figured that out yet. I do realize that my pasture, I have I currently have 12 pigs on pasture right now and, and they're pretty mature and that's pushing the limits unless I really would expand my pastures. And I'm not sure that I want to do that. So I, 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 I you know, I'm I'm not exactly sure where I want to go, but we'll we'll see we'll see over time what what we decide to do. Yeah, very good, very good. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. This is very interesting. I, I I think we could talk for another hour, but for our listeners' sake, I, I think we'll tie a bow on it here. But if um, if anybody wants to find more information about uh, your setup, where can they find you online? Well, I, I do most of my stuff now on Instagram. I find with my time commitments, that's the easiest place for me to post something. Sure. I'm Dr. DR Smokehouse, as you said, right. <laughs> um, on, on Instagram. I'm also on a lot of the pasture pig forums. And then there's a couple of, uh, for people that are learning, there's a couple of um, um, uh, of groups that are, that are meat curing groups. The biggest one is the salt cured pig. The one that Francois has is uh, Salumi uh, Charcuterie. That that's another uh, group on Facebook, and most of the most of that community is pretty um, good about and pretty open to to working with beginners and answering questions. Um, so that's kind of where I can be found. You know, on those I usually kind of patrol those sites every once in a while. Um, and be, but, uh, but I'm open anybody who wants to, you know, contact me, I'm, I'm here and we're always doing something, especially in the winter. Excellent. All right. Wonderful. Well, Jim, I appreciate your time and, 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 uh, excited to, uh, to possibly head North and, and, uh, help you, help you scrape a pig at some point. We'll definitely have to 
have to keep in touch on that. And also, as you um, as you set some of these dates for upcoming workshops, keep in touch with me as well. And, and I can obviously do a shout out here on the podcast to, to let people know in case they want to uh, reach out and be a part of that as well. Oh, yeah, I would love to. Yeah, I'll definitely stay in touch. And, and that's what's been I've already reached out to one of your uh, other other uh, uh, folks that you interviewed that lives a little south of here after hearing that it wasn't that far. So it's mm-hmm. it's always neat to find out where people are and, and and meet people from this these different communities. It's really just to, to me, that's that's been one of the greatest pleasures of all of doing everything that we do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a great community. Definitely. Well, Jim, I appreciate it. I pray you have a good evening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Troy. All right, take care. Well, all right. Well, I hope everyone appreciated that discussion with Jim. Um, uh, it's funny, uh, like I said, Miss, uh, as you heard there, Miss uh, pronounced his uh, his moniker. He called him Dr. Smokehouse, <laughs> the Doctor Combo. Yeah, you, you realize afterwards, but uh, really appreciate uh, Jim and uh, him taking the time to talk with us, and it's a good sense of humor there. But um, if you guys, uh, we'll, we're still going to be scheduling interviews, upcoming interviews. So if there's anything, again, if you've been on the podcast before uh, and you want to talk about a specific topic, don't feel like you're, you're not allowed to come back on. Yeah, we'd, we'd obviously love to just have some topics. Still trying to line out the logistics are, are tricky. Trying to line out multiple interviews at a time where we can actually have some debate about stuff. You know, fairway uh, crates, um, castration, uh, vaccination regimens, all these type of things, things that are that are still somewhat controversial in our in our area, uh, but would love to kind of do a, a head-to-head type of thing, not get hateful, not get angry, but just have some really good discussion and, and a good debate there. So if, if you want to be on the podcast, obviously just go to redtoolhouse.com, click on our Pastured Pig podcast link, and you'll see the little contact form you can use there. And we'll be getting stuff scheduled back in January as well. Actually, may schedule a couple in December. That way, it could carry me over into uh, January to have content there. So be sure to check that out. Well, again, appreciate everybody listening. Uh, pray everyone have a good week out in the pasture. Take care. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit redtoolhouse.com.